This is the message from Connection Community Church for the Sunday, June 16th, 2013. Superheroes of the Bible, Ananias. Mm, tough choices, that's part of being a superhero. Tough, courageous choices. We're going to look at that today as we continue our series. And good morning again, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for bringing us here today. It's no accident that any one of us are here. Thank you for the kids who just sang. What a blessing as we hear them continuing to worship uh, in the garage. Um, Help us mentor and be a light to all kids in this church and help them grow in their relationship. And now, Lord, grow us as we hear your message, as we read your word found in the uh, book of Acts. We pray this in your name, and everybody gathered said, amen. Okay, so this month we're looking at superheroes from the Bible. Two weeks ago we talked about our superhero, Gideon. Last week we had a fantastic message by Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. We got the, had the pleasure of... Uh, not only listening to the podcast, but hearing some people say how blessed they were by that message. This week, our focus is on a guy found in the second half of the Bible in the New Testament by the name of Ananias. So before we take a look at our superhero of the day, let's take a look at the definition of superhero found in the Cambridge Advanced Learner's Dictionary. Read it with me. A character in a film or story who has special strength and uses it to do good things and help other people. With that in mind, let's take a look at Ananias. Okay, we find him in the ninth chapter of the book of the Bible entitled Acts of the Apostles. We often shorten that to just the word Acts, but the full title is Acts of the Apostles. Um, And a little disclaimer here. In the book of Acts, we find three guys with the name Ananias. It's the only place in the Bible we find that name. And we want to make sure you know which Ananias we're talking about today. It's not the one found in the fifth chapter of Acts who sells a a, a tract of land and pretends to give the entire proceeds to the apostles while secretly keeping some back for himself. Uh, Interesting, uh, when he's confronted by Peter who tells him that he has lied to the Holy Spirit, he drops dead on the spot. That's not our Ananias superhero today. Uh, By the way, his wife, who was fully aware of what he had done, when she was confronted by Peter, she lied also, and she also dropped dead on the spot. You might want to read about that sometime. It's an interesting little chapter, chapter 5. Our superhero Ananias is certainly not that character nor is he the guy found in chapters 23 and 24, who is a high priest uh, of the Jews who uh, orders those around him to strike the apostle Paul in the mouth. That's, again, not our superhero Ananias. Interesting, though, that all three of these guys happen to appear in this one book and the only place in the Bible in the book of Acts. So there you go. So our Ananias is in chapter 9. To understand Ananias as a superhero, it's important for us to set the scene by talking about another character in this book of Acts, and his name is Saul. 
Saul was a high-ranking Jew. He was a Pharisee, he, which means he was a member of this Jewish council, and he held the laws really to the letter of the law. Very, very strict. And here's the thing about Saul. He zealously, say that word, zealously. He zealously persecuted the followers of Jesus. Yikes. I mean, zealous is not, I mean, that's a lot. He violently tried to destroy this church that was building, this movement, Christianity. It was Saul in the chapter before, the eighth chapter of Acts, that gave his approval for the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was a follower of Christ. He's known as the first martyr. And Saul said, yeah, go ahead and do that. So he was not a good guy. He was later known as the Apostle Paul, and things changed a whole lot. But prior to that, he was one bad dude. He was not good, someone greatly to be feared if you were a Christ follower. So here's how chapter 9 begins. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Okay, so how did I describe Saul? He was one bad dude. So here's what happened. He's on his way to Damascus, and there's this light from heaven that flashed before him, and he got struck down on the ground, and he heard a voice from heaven say, Saul, <coughs> Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so Saul asked for that voice to be identified, and it was Jesus. It was Jesus, and Jesus told Saul to go into the city, and he would give him the next steps. Now, Scripture tells us that the men traveling with Saul were speechless, you think? You know, they heard the sound, but they didn't see anything. Now, Saul got up from being, when he got knocked down, opened his eyes, but he couldn't see anything. He was blind. They led him by the hand into Damascus, and he was blind for three days, neither eating nor drinking anything. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Gideon and how he asked for a sign? Actually, he asked for a couple of signs. He wasn't satisfied. Well, um, Saul here didn't ask for a sign, but, but he sure got one, a sign of God's presence. Can you even begin to imagine what it must have been like to be with him on that road? Can you imagine what it must have been like to be him that day? That was some kind of sign from God. Well, that brings us to our story this morning because it's absolutely crucial to know a little bit about Saul, you know, who he was and what he did to fully appreciate our superhero, what happened next in the story. Here's what scripture tells us. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias 
come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Mm. Okay, I want to do a little congregational reality check here. Who here has the gift of faith? Come on, don't be shy. I, I do. Okay, you have the gift of faith. That's good. You know, you do things. People go, how'd you do? I have the gift of faith. Okay. Who here can be courageous when it's, it's absolutely necessary? Come on. Be courageous now. Okay, good. And um, who here tries to be faithful to follow what the Lord calls them to? Mm, unless it's too crazy. You know, if you try your best. If it does ask you to do something really, really great. Okay, okay, okay. So here's the reality check. How many would have jumped at this opportunity as a Christian to seek out Saul, who was known throughout the land as a killer of Christ followers? I think I had three takers. But they know the rest of the story. But see, here's the thing, too. We've all been privy to what happened to Saul. Ananias didn't, did he? He didn't know he'd been knocked down. He didn't know he'd been talking to Jesus. He didn't know all that. All he still knows is this guy murders Christians and God's telling me to go, hello. To me, it sounds like insanity. I just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, like I say, uh, Ananias doesn't know the backstory here. And if you guys had that kind of courage, amen, more power to you guys. More power to you. You know, the Lord hadn't told him anything hardly. All he knew is God's telling him to go to a house on Straight Street. By the way, say that five times fast. And then find Saul, who's been told in a vision that this guy's coming to lay hands on him to restore his sight. It's a crazy scene. That's all I'm saying. So we just marvel at what comes out of Ananias' mouth next. He doesn't shout, Lord, are, are you crazy? He doesn't scream, what in the world are you thinking? He doesn't, you know, cry out, Lord, Saul likes to see people killed. Um, I mean, do you really want me on that hit list? I might have said those things, but not Ananias. Here's what he does say. Lord, Ananias answered, he probably should say here, I'm hearing him go, with all due respect, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man. He's being very gentle here, isn't he? He's trying to be cautious with the Lord while at the same time pointing out to God maybe God didn't understand what's going on, you know? Have you ever done that? You ever tell God what God obviously already knows, but you just want to make sure that he gets it? <laughs> I have heard many reports, Lord, with all due respect, about the this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. I'm just saying. And, and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. I don't think he screamed it like that, but I would have. Just to make sure God understood. You know, he's probably gently saying, hey, Lord, do you think this is really a good idea? I mean, really. But the Lord came to Ananias. The Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. Well, God wants you. He doesn't mince words, does he? Go! Okay. Here's the thing. Don't just sometimes marvel at who God chooses to do God's work. I mean, you got to sometimes go, 
God, are you serious? Are you really serious? I mean, here it's going to be Saul, the man who's been persecuting, helping to kill Christ followers. Last week it was Deborah, a woman who lived in an absolutely center of a, a man's world. I mean, it's hard for us to even understand how much of a man's world she lived in. The week before that, a self-proclaimed wimp by the name of Gideon, who has himself said, I'm the weakest of the weakest. Those aren't the only ones in the scriptures. It's one example after another. Abraham, you know, Father Abraham, the faithful guy, Abraham, who claimed at one point that his wife was a sister, and technically that's true. I think she was a half-sister, but claimed he was a sister and allowed another man to, let's say, be with her, if you know what I mean, in order to protect himself. Hello? There was Moses who killed a man in cold blood. There was King David who committed adultery and then sent the woman's husband to the front line so that he'd be killed as part of the cover-up. There was Jacob, a wheeler-dealer, who spent his whole life conniving people, trying to get a blessing, which is all that God wanted to give him flat out in the first place. There was Peter, who followed and did ministry with Jesus for three solid years, and he three times in Jesus' most dire hour of need just said, I don't even know the guy. That, that's a stomp clap. I don't even know the guy. There was Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons cast out of her. There was Thomas, and we know him by the extra name, Doubting Thomas. How would you like that to go with you for the rest of eternity? There was James and John, the sons of thunder, who said, hey, Jesus, when you're in your glory, can I sit on your right and I on your left? So it's all about us. The list goes on and on and on and on. It's a very long list of people you go, really, Lord? You gotta be kidding, really. But the funny thing is, you know who else is on that list? You and me. <laughs> really, Lord? Really? <laughs> We're on that too when we think about some of the stuff we've done. And I know you're going, oh, I never can kill anybody this week. Um, you know, <laughs> but we've done stuff, right? We've separated from God. We've sinned. Come on, we're all in that same group. We're no better than those guys I just listed. We, we're all in this thing together. You know, we stop and think about the stuff we've done. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, that God calls us into partnership with God to do this saving work of Jesus Christ. It's, it's mind-boggling when you think about it. It's amazing. And the thing about this list of people, us included, everybody on it is just ordinary, aren't they? Ordinary people who are able to do extraordinary things because if they allow God to work through them. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So God tells Ananias that Saul, Paul, is his chosen instrument. This man is my chosen instrument and that this man will suffer for the Lord. Ananias doesn't say another word, but he goes to the house as the Lord instructs. And here's what happened next. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, 
Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. You know, how often do we let our judgments of someone get in the way of being obedient to God? How often are, are we influenced more by our assessment of, of someone than by God's leading us into what we should do? It wasn't true for Ananias. He had great reason to be nervous, great reason to, to be afraid, great reason to balk at what God was calling him to do, but he didn't. Even though he knew all about Saul, he didn't let his knowledge of him or let his judgment of him keep him from doing what God called him to do. And on top of that, look at how he addresses Saul. What does he call him? Brother Saul. That, that just blows my mind. What a gracious greeting when we take a look at the context of this whole thing. You know, this Saul who just three days earlier was ready to kill all Christians, you know, that, wow. This guy, Ananias, didn't greet Saul with the venom that most people might, but instead spoke to him like a brother in Christ. He was able to give this kind of grace and that kind of courage, not because he could do it under his own steam, but the strength of the Lord that actually we sang about with the garage kids. It's through the strength of the Lord that we can rise up and do things on behalf of the Lord that we never dreamed mm -hmm. of. And you know, the funny thing is, there's not a whole lot written about Ananias. If you boil all this down to what's actually about Ananias, it's 10 verses. Ten measly verses in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And yet, superhero, if you go by the definition, a character in a film or story has special strength and uses it to do good things to help other people. By that definition, I've definitely put Ananias in the superhero group. Can I get an amen to that? Special strength. In this case, that strength comes out in the form of courage. The kind of courage that comes from God alone. The kind of courage that allowed him to do just what God called him to do, to go to the house of Saul, that was the house that Saul was at, to place his hands on him, and to be God's instrument, to be God's instrument of healing, of peace, and his instrument of grace. You know, God gives each one of us here that chance every day to be a kind of a superhero, to depend on the strength from God to make a difference, to step out, to do the difficult, to get out of our comfort zone. So we're talking really about courage rather than comfort. I tend to probably question God a little bit more than Ananias did. He only did it once. I, it's not so bad now, but earlier in my walk with Christ, I mean, it took me 10 years to answer the call to ministry. That's a long time of saying, but God, but God, no way, I'm closing my ears. No, because we like to stay 
I like to stay in my comfort zone. I like to stay in my comfort zone. Happy Father's Day. In my comfort zone, you know, and just kind of make it, make it nice and comfy. And that's really not what God has for us at all. And here's the thing. I've never been threatened with my life the way Ananias did, and I still like to be comfortable. Mm. Courage or comfort? Yep. That's the question, courage or comfort. And that question is going to be a little different for each of us, depending on our personality, depending on our gifts and talents that God's given us, depending on where we are in our walk with the Lord. You know, for example, like this whole Christian thing, this whole Jesus following thing is totally new to you. Just, just sharing with someone uh, that you went to church, sharing with someone who's not a churchgoer that you went to church and that you liked it might take a lot of courage, you know. Uh, uh, it might take you out of your normal comfort zone. It, it would really take you out of your comfort zone to invite that non-churched friend, if this was all brand new to you, take a lot to invite them to come with you the next Sunday. Yeah. And for those of you who have been following Christ for a while, it still takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to follow God's leading, to allow ourselves to be a little bit more uncomfortable knowing that God's going to take care of it, even though we know it's still tough. I mean, that whole thing with the call to ministry was only like this much compared to this much when God said, okay, now I want you to move and start a church, Connection Church, for us to start the church. And I mean, as awesome as it is, leaving our home that we'd been in for 24 years and all of our friends and our, you know, all that, that, that wasn't easy, but it sure was God's will and way, and obedience is, is the main thing in all this. We're very thankful that uh, we did. And so then the question of the day for you is this, comfort or courage? Comfort or courage? Are you willing to listen to God and to have the courage to come out of your comfort zone, willing to be God's instrument, as Ananias was, to share God's grace with those around you, even if they might not be so grace-filled. <laughs> maybe even those you don't know, maybe even those you've never met, sharing God's grace. And, you know, no matter where you are on the spectrum, and, you know, we have people here in the church from the entire spectrum, all the way from someone who's just brand new, just exploring, doesn't even hardly know who Jesus is, maybe heard the name and is here just exploring what this whole Jesus thing's all about, to someone who's kind of caught that and is kind of growing in the faith, to, to somebody who we would say is, is fairly close to Christ, all the way to somebody who is an absolute sold-out living, trying to live a Christ-centered existence. And, you know, we all fall someplace on that spectrum. And the thing is, no matter where you fall on it, God will call you out of whatever comfort zone you're in on that spectrum. And that comfort zone is going to change as you move on that spectrum, but still, you're going to have a comfort zone. But God will call you out of that and call you and give you the opportunity to be courageous 
It's going to look different for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. How many of you like to be comfortable? And see, the ones who didn't raise their hand, they're uncomfortable raising their hand. So that just means everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all like to be comfortable. Come on, let's be real here. Comforts, we like that. Most of us don't want to be uncomfortable, but sometimes that's what God calls us to. takes us out of that zone, and it takes courage. But the thing is, that courage comes from not our strength, but from God's strength. And God will supply that, living in God's strength, allowing yourself to live in that strength of the Lord rather than your own strength, allowing yourself to be a superhero which is just an ordinary person, you and me, that God allows to do extraordinary things when we rely on that special strength that God supplies through the Holy Spirit. That's what superheroes of the faith do. The question is, what about you? What about you? I would encourage you here at the end of the service, take a couple minutes, just think about, what about me? Lord, what, what is it? What, what's my comfort zone? What are you calling me out of? Pray in your chair. Pray up here at the front. If you want to talk to somebody, Lori and Dave love to talk to you in the back there. What, what's your comfort zone? What's God calling you out of? And don't leave it here either. Take it with you today and just ponder on that. Pray about that. God, what, where are you calling me, Lord? Am I, and the question is, are you going to stay comfortable or are you going to be courageous? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for Ananias, for the model he can be for us to be courageous rather than comfortable. Lord, we know that when you call us to something, you don't, you know, strand us, but that you give us direction. We don't see the whole picture, but you do give us just one step at a time. Help us be more courageous each and every day, more courageous in our workplace, more courageous in our homes, more courageous in our neighborhoods, more courageous in our relationships, Lord. We thank you for this day that we could gather and praise your holy name. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.